Hey, this is producer Ethan here. Shortly after we finished recording on Monday afternoon, uh, news of the awful shooting at the Boulder King Supers appeared on social media, which is why you won't hear any discussion about it during uh, uh, this interview. Uh, we're keeping the victims of this awful tragedy in our hearts and sending our condolences to the families of those killed, uh, as well as our profound thanks to the first responders and grocery workers uh, who saved lives with their bravery. I think all of us are feeling an all-too-familiar combination of grief, sadness, pain, and uh, righteous anger as we learn more about what happened. Uh, on Monday evening, Senator Hickenlooper tweeted, They were just grocery shopping. I can't imagine what the families of these Coloradans are experiencing. My heart goes out to them. We don't know all the details yet, but we do know our country has a horrific problem with gun violence. We need federal action now. Here is our interview with Senator John Hickenlooper. We're thrilled to be able to bring to you a conversation with Senator John Hickenlooper, who talked to us about his first experiences in the Senate. His first day on, on the job actually was January 6th, believe it or not. We talk about the American Rescue Plan, about voting rights, and even about Area 51. Take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for being here once again. We know you're busy and other more important people take your calls. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Great to great to be talking with you both again. And I would always take your call back, Ian. Always. Well, thanks, Gov. Again, Jason. I, Jason, I don't know about you yet, but I think probably. well, you know, it, it just uh, when you start getting spam calls, eventually you pick up. It'll be me. Just that unknown number. It's, yeah. it's actually Jason Bain. So let's jump right in. Then you've been a mayor. You've been a governor. You've run a brew pub. You've been a geologist, and now you're a legislator. So when you were running for this office, I don't think you and I ever had this conversation, but I was like, I wonder how he's going to go from being like the guy to being like a guy, <laughs> like one of a hundred, for instance. So like, what's the biggest difference between like executive and legislative branch having done both? Well, when you're executive, you come into work every day, and, and usually you have to make three or four decisions before lunch. And usually there are decisions nobody else wants to make because they're hard, and you usually end up pissing half the people off. And, and I don't mind that. I like taking, I like having that responsibility, but it is stressful. And it, and it had done that as a CEO for a number of years, running a bunch of restaurants, having done that as a, as a mayor and then a governor. This is a, such a different cadence every day that, that you wake up in the morning and, and that I have an hour on my schedule to go through all the, everything that happened in the previous 24 hours in the news and, and, and then I go and I, I, I'm expected to spend more time with a fewer number of people to go deeper and build deeper relationships with Republicans and Democrats. And, and then I'm expected to, you know, not know a fair amount about everything. Now I, I have a much, much more limited number of issues and I get to go much deeper. And, you know, I, I, th I really thought I, I was going to like this, uh, like being in the Senate, but I like it far more than I ever dreamed. I, I think the people are fascinating. I think the issues are they're the most challenging issues facing the country, and yet I feel optimistic. Hmm. And I also think that I can play a role. As I'm one of the oldest freshman senators uh, <laughs> in, a, in a long, long time, and and yet 
that I don't have to worry about seniority. I'm never going to get all the seniority and all that stuff. I get to really think about how do we get things done? And how can I be the shuttle diplomat that goes back and forth between you know, the conservative versus the progressive side of the Democratic Party or between Republicans and Democrats? And that's the kind of stuff I always loved. I, you know, in a funny way, when, even when I was governor, I spent a lot of time trying to bridge the, you know, build bridges between you know, people disagreeing over certain issues. That's a very positive way of looking at this job, considering your first full day was January 6th. <laughs> How long was it before you felt like you knew what a real day was going to look like for you? Well, it certainly took a little bit of time. And the one thing on, on January 6th, I was on the Senate floor. It was my first full day, as you say. And we didn't know in what danger we were in. In other words, we, had, we could, didn't see any video. Uh, you're not allowed to have your iPhone, your cell phone on the Senate floor. So we weren't getting reports. So all of a sudden, you know, they rush us out early in the afternoon and we go and they, they march us to a, a distant, secluded location. And then we're locked down for five hours, which in a funny way, at that point we began seeing video. So we had- So you didn't think it was just like a regular Wednesday? <laughs> no, no, but I knew it was not a regular Wednesday. But, but we had the visual imagery of what's going on that we could see. But then we're just sitting there and it became an interesting way to frame conversations. For a lot of the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans, it was the first, chance, first time I'd had a real chance to talk, to, to sit down and really have a long talk with Cory Booker or with Susan Collins or with Joe Manchin uh, or with Elizabeth Warren. And kind of, I, I had a, probably a dozen or maybe 15, you know, substantial 20 minute, 30 minute conversations where I began to get a sense of who these people were and, and how I would relate to them. In other words, what, what things I should be careful not to say, uh, what things I could, you know, engage them with that they that, that would be positive and constructive. You know, I came back after that long, I mean, that's a long time to be in one room with a, a relatively limited number of people. Uh, and I, you know, and as we watched it, I mean, it was horrifying what was going on in the world sure. outside yeah. our doors. And yet I did, I came out of that feeling in some way that, that I'd made a little progress with my, my new job uh, and that we were lucky, not that we hadn't been attacked. I mean, some of those people, you've seen the footage, they could have gotten a hold of a senator. Who knows what they would have done? Yeah, right. I think they would have done bad things to a Republican or a Democrat. They were they were bent on just violence and 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 revolution, as close as I could tell. That's like a terrible reason, but maybe you can like adopt the let's lock ourselves in a room with each other for six hours <laughs> without a violent insurrection outside and get to know each other a little bit on like day one from now on. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. So let's talk about some of the stuff that's in front of you right now. Um, the American Rescue Plan, the, the, the COVID package, $1.9 trillion. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Your colleague, Senator Bennett's been harping on the child tax credit for a kajillion years. That made it in there. A lot of that stuff is only kind of starting to get unpacked. So what are your favorite? It's been called sneaky good, and I like that. So <laughs> do you have any favorite sneaky good things that are in the American recover, Rescue Plan right now? I don't know if they're sneaky good, but they're pretty good. Is uh, is sneaky good like good trouble? I guess. Sure. I, I think it's like, like good, but you you didn't know it was there, and then you're reading later. Oh yeah. yeah. So so I think and, and I I think it's been reported, but but I thought that the you know having twenty eight billion dollars plus 
in there for restaurants and and brew pubs and all kinds of places where people come together and talk to each other because that is part of how a democracy has to work. Yep. I thought that was a great thing to to finally get in there. It really hadn't been in before. Uh, I thought that uh, having some money set aside for truly small businesses, $5 billion, absolutely essential. You look at how many of the small businesses, the truly small businesses are owned by uh, Latinos or African-Americans or are owned by immigrants. I mean, that's a classic way an immigrant can, can pay the rent is just by you know, opening a business and then working unbelievably long, long hours. And I remember this when we opened our restaurant, you know, I worked 80 and 90 hours a week for the, for a couple of years, but when it's, when, it, when it's all you've got and it's your business, it almost doesn't feel like work. And yet they were being threatened with being put out of business through no fault of their own. And now I think a lot of them are going to get a second chance. I also thought that the, the healthcare, making sure that there's money for the exchanges so that people's insurance premiums would go down. They'd get, you know, the, the number of people that would qualify for a subsidy went up. That's very meaningful to people who are, you know, fighting for, you know, trying to every day, trying to make their, their life for their family a little better. This is something that will have material benefit. And, and again, even though it's been well reported, you know, Michael Bennett's, and it was his idea. So yeah. many things in the Senate, there's 20 different people claiming credit. Pretty much everybody agrees that this was his initial idea as something we should do. And that's going to have, uh, assuming that we can make it permanent, it's going to have profound ef- effects on the future of America, I think. This is the first year my family qualifies for the child tax credit. So like daycare is very, very expensive. <laughs> At, like it's it's totally insane everywhere, Colorado especially so. That's also because it was the first year you had a kid, though. That's what I mean. It's, <laughs> and like, so just like weird, weird timing for us. So we talk about politics in the show. Let me ask you a little about about the politics here, like poll after poll shows that this thing is one of the most popular initiatives that the legislature on the federal level has undertaken in quite some time. Yet in both chambers, not a single Republican voted for it at all. Outside the Capitol, are you hearing from people who are upset about it? Or is this just like a in the building in DC reality warp zone kind of thing? I think that's both. I mean, I think that within the building, within the US Senate, I think there's a little bit of a bitterness that that the bunch of the moderate Republicans really wanted to work on a bipartisan level. And I think they probably could have gotten up to 1.2, $1.3 trillion. And I think that, that President Biden realized that they weren't going to come up and do what he felt was, was absolutely necessary. And so he used this reconciliation process to, to, to push it through. And there's a, there's a certain amount of bitterness about that. And then, you know, Mitch McConnell, I mean, all he really cares about is maintaining power. So he's right. already hard at work figuring out how can he say nasty things about anything that Joe Biden does, anything that any Republican does, so that he has some chance of, of, of taking the Senate again back in you know 2022. So he's not one of the people you spent quality time with in on January 6th then? No, you know, I did. I looked for him. He was, I, I did, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've never had a chance to talk to the guy. And, and I have to say, you watch what he's done and you hear what he says. And I've had nothing but negative. I, I, I just have a terrible, terrible feeling about him as a person. I, uh, you know, I, I feel, and you're going to think I'm just a, a Pollyanna, but I remember, you know, Abraham Lincoln <laughs> said, you know, he said, at one time he said to one of his uh, young assistants, he said, I really don't like that man. I need to get to know him better. And, and, and the funny way, 
in a funny way at this moment, there's kind of, I feel like the, I, I need to do, I, I need to put more effort into building bridges than I do into figuring out why someone's a, a schlub. But, but I, think he, <laughs> I think he is a schlub. <laughs> I'd say that's being generous. Wow. Uh, you're also a, a sponsor of the For the People Act, the Senate companion to the big voting rights bill that passed the House earlier this month. From your perspective, what are some of the, the key parts of that bill? Well, obviously, uh, promoting elections and making sure that they are safe and secure, but they are expansive in, in allowing everyone to vote. And so much of what we did in Colorado and you know, uh, Jenna Griswold came in, but it, it really was going back. It's been going back for 10 years right. uh, of making sure we have a total vote by mail. Everyone gets a ballot, uh, early voting, multiple drop off places. If you want to vote on Election Day, you can do that same day registration and you can vote that day on Election Day. I mean, Colorado's done everything we can to make sure that everyone can vote. And yet there's a backup paper ballot for every single vote. So you can honestly say this is secure every you know, statistical uh, analysis shows that there is absolutely as as close to zero uh, uh, in terms of of ballots that are that someone made a mistake or they're they're you know they shouldn't be counted. It's it's far more accurate than any other type of election. So I think that we should be looking at how do we get this uh, nationwide. I, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see uh, uh, Raphael Warnock, uh, who's the new senator from Georgia, and I did a bunch of campaigning with him over last summer and then uh, did a few events with him in December to, uh, you know, just help like everybody did trying to make sure he got elected. And, you know, he's still practicing as pastor of Ebenezer Church in, wow. in Atlanta, you know, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King's old church. So he's doing a sermon every Sunday. Well, he gave his, what they call his maiden speech uh, was, was last Wednesday. And it's worth Googling. If you just do maiden speech, uh, Raphael Warnock, I'm sure it'll come up. He talked all about the integrity of the vote, of the of the ballot, of of, of elections, and it took my breath away. He's so he, I mean he's a, he's a professional speaker. He's been speaking his whole life, uh, and he just hit the points, but put them in such an emotional context and with such powerful logic that you come away just saying that's that's amazing. So that's the that's I think the most important part of it, but also. You know, addressing the the dark money and the and trying to bring some transparency to to how our uh, elections are funded. I mean, that kind of stuff is long overdue as well. If this were a regular election, you'd be essentially one vote away from a, a majority that could pass the bill. But in in the Senate land, you're kind of eleven votes away because of the sixty vote rule. <laughs> Would you support changing that? If there's not enough, if there aren't 60 votes for the for the act? Well, I'm still working on trying to find a couple of bills we can do and get 60 votes. Uh, and I think it's I think it's important to re- at least make that effort. Um, but I've said many times I'm, I'm willing to look at anything. There's I mean, look at the issues that we face that have such incredible urgency. Climate change being a good example, uh, beginning to address public health. Uh, making sure that we get equity in our public health and and our housing and our education. I mean, you go down the list, we don't have time to dawdle. We we need to take strong, aggressive steps to to help this country live up to its its promise. Uh, And and I think we can do that. And, you know, one thing that I saw a couple of senators suggested uh, in the past few weeks was what they call a talking filibuster. 
Right. Whereas now anybody can just raise their hand. They don't have to show up. They, have to, they can just stop any bill in its tracks. But if you want to have a talking filibuster, they'd have to come down and keep talking on the floor. And then you'd see how many other Republicans would support them. Because I think you'd find that for many of these, uh, these times when there's just one or two Republican senators that want to stop something, all of a sudden, we, we, they would no longer be able to hold a quorum. Uh, and they would be, you know, they, the votes needed to, to force them to stop uh, and allow the Senate to take a vote would be much easier. And that, that's one possibility that certainly is being explored. So you'd have to like get up there and read Moby Dick or the cookbook or actually get the words out and hold the floor the whole time. Um, that would be an interesting stopgap, see if it works. But, you know, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of big issues to solve. We, we know you're short on time here. I got, <laughs> I got one question that's near and dear to my heart. It's been a long time since the person who occupied your seat held a town hall meeting. Have you scheduled your first <laughs> town hall yet? <laughs> um, we haven't scheduled. We're very close. But I think it'll be, we're hoping it'll be sometime next week. So Great. We'll wow. have, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, we're not taking all day. We're going to go out and have a, a town hall <laughs> meeting and get right to it. But That's stuff, wonderful. Stuff is happening. We want to make sure that we get a chance to hear what Coloradans think about all this commotion and, and make sure they understand about what the re- relief bill looks like and, and, and what it's going to mean to them. That will be setting a new trend for the junior senator from Colorado. So we really appreciate that. Thanks. Hey, but b- before we let you go, I also wanted to mention you're, you're, you're the chair of the Space and Science Subcommittee. Do you get to tour Area 51? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to see. I'm not sure where my powers extend. Uh, I like, am can I come? If I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll make sure I get a second, uh, second seat on the bus. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. We're really, really glad to have you here. Congratulations once again. We feel much better about our representation in Washington with you there. Absolutely. U.S. Senator, former governor, mayor, brew pub guy, John Hickenlooper. Thanks for joining us on the Get More Smarter Show. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Jason. Talk to you soon. All Take right. care. Thanks. Thanks.